0: This is not a test. We are at DEF CON 5. Alpha Sector. Check. Tango Sector. Check. Delta Sector. Only Sega Saturn has
1: three 32-bit processors. Delta Sector. Three processors mean better gameplay. Delta Sector, you hear me? Sony PlayStation only has one. Three, two, one. When you've got Sega Saturn, nothing else matters. Sega!
2: welcome to the inaugural sega saturn new year's mega cast the collaborative effort between the saturn junkyards titan cast and the sega saturn shiro podcast my name is samuel the southern sega gentleman and i'll be your moderator for the evening seeing as we're spanning eight time zones a day how about we run down the list and tell all the fine folks out there who we are and while we're at it let's give them a little insight on our love for the sega saturn
3: hello there i'm simon i'm the founder of the saturn junkyard blog and My Saturn history goes back to 1996 when I bought my first Saturn. I had to argue with the guy in the store um, to sell me a Saturn. He wanted to sell me a PlayStation, but I was insistent because I was a Sega head at the time. I'd had my Mega Drive and I needed their new console. So I've had my Saturn since 1996 and I've had some times where I'm into it, sometimes where I'm not, but I've always had a love and it's always burning strong. I'm out.
4: Hi, right, my name is Patrick. Uh, I do a lot of the modding stuff in the community for the, uh, the Saturn. Uh, my favorite Saturn memory is when i never heard of it until I walked into a store in 2005 and I saw one. I was like, what the hell is this? And this clerk told me, oh yeah, the Sega Saturn for the Dreamcast. Like, what are you talking about? And then I slowly learned about the Saturn and it was just really funny that i never heard of it. And I think that's still my favorite memory because it just shows sort of the issues with the marketing and the publicity about the system
2: my name is samuel still the southern sega gentleman uh hail from the great state of louisiana i know everybody loves it yeah y'all love our food et cetera et cetera now um my favorite saturn memory would have to be the very first day i actually got my saturn that was back all the way up in october of 1997. i was a late bloomer but you know we didn't really have the money and all to to kind of fit back into it and all but I did have my Genesis and whenever I was playing the Genesis and every single time we go over to the, uh, we had a Hollywood rental in town and I'd see all the Saturn games on there. We had a little kiosk. I'd always take about 30 minutes to play the kiosk games. So whenever I finally got to pick up my Saturn, the game I picked up first was a uh, Resident Evil and i talked a lot about it on the Titancast side. And I absolutely love the hell out of it. In fact, I didn't even get another game probably until five months later. And at that point, the Saturn was out the door. So I got to pick up a number of titles at a very large discount. But whenever it comes to my most favorite Saturn memory, it would have to be that day I got my Saturn. I got Resident Evil. I went home and I spent the next 12 hours trying to kill the snake in the attic. And I did not realize you could just run away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I can't top that. Uh, this is Dave, and I'm coming to you from San Diego, California. I am uh, one of the hosts on the Shiro podcast, um, moderator over on Sega Saturn Collectors of America, and just a huge Sega Saturn fan lifetime. Uh, like Simon mentioned, I was—they tried so hard to get me to buy a PlayStation, um, but that, you know, that was my dad's console. It was kind of what he decided to go with, and I think my favorite Saturn memory was just how much mystique this console had for for a 15- or 16-year-old kid. And PlayStation was just prevalent, it was everywhere. You didn't have to look, you know, two feet to find a PlayStation game, but when I walk into an electronics boutique um, and see, you know, in the very, very back of the store, I'd see like one lone Saturn game. It was like a a prize jewel. Um, I saw this game, Enemy Zero, and this was right after the holiday. And it was, I don't know, it was like a $60 game, so like well outside of what I could afford it at the time. I didn't have that kind of pocket change, but I asked my uncle for it. And um, and he bought it uh, for my birthday. And uh, I just played that game with my brother in the dark, and we just got so scared. <laughs> and uh, it was just such a, uh, such a great experience. And my dad, he'd even come in and he'd comment on like, what is this? What are you playing? Because, you know, he was so used to the PlayStation stuff. but. Honestly, that's, that's what I loved about Saturn so much is it just felt like it was our own little secret, you know?
5: I'm Nuno uh, from Portugal, and I was the first guy to join Simon on the Saturn Junkyard. And um, I got the Saturn basically because at the time it was the famous console to get. This was right before the PlayStation started to get, to get famous. And uh, I don't have a single favorite memory. But I definitely have very fond memories of uh, the first time I played it, and um, it was my first console like uh, ever. So I have really fond memories of just playing so many games for the first time.
6: I'm Kay. I go by Murder of Crows. Um, coming from originally uh, Ia, Hawaii. Uh, I currently live in the uh, Portland metro area and um, my um, my Saturn history kind of goes far and wide um, I guess my favorite Saturn memory recent memory is uh, being able to dump a bunch of unreleased games and it's kind of kind of cool for me
0: um, yeah I'm uh, Brian I'm uh, a virtuous schlub uh, over on uh, the Saturn junkyard um, I Contribute in some capacity there, so uh, that's fun um, But uh, anyway, I'm just up the street actually up in Seattle uh, from K and um, I like uh, you know like Patrick I got into the Saturn very late um, in fact it was about 2005 when I um, Picked up an eBay bundle that had a bunch of games and controllers and arcade sticks and wheels and stuff or a one wheel um and that was god looking back on that now that was like maybe 130 bucks or something and i got like panzer dragoon one and and zvi and knights and sega rally and Virtua fighter 2 and Virtua on and Die Hard arcade and all these games with it uh and i think that was just uh, you know a really fun memory because it was just jump starting my uh collecting for the saturn and it was a really good crash course on all of the awesome um and immediately appealing arcade style ports that uh that you know sega would really specialize in at the time um and uh so yeah i uh, haven't really looked back since
2: all right ladies and gentlemen seeing how we have this nice little mega cast for everybody going about we figured that we kind of talk about the sega saturn's past its present and its future and in keeping with that We've got a number of questions we're going to go over today, and every one of our hosts, we're all going to give our two cents on it. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get up into uh, Sega Saturn's past. So in spite of poor marketing and a rush launch, how, or why rather, did you decide to back the Saturn? And we'll start off again with Simon and run down the list.
3: Okay guys, well basically for me, I was a Mega Drive user, Uh, not a big gamer at all. Not someone who knew about a large catalogue of games, but someone who used to like to play sports games, driving games. One of the best games for me on the Mega Drive was golf. And so when I opted for uh, the Saturn, it was to continue my love of golf and playing golf. Um, As I say, when I went into the shop to speak to the guy, I didn't really have long before he started arguing with me and telling me that I should be buying a Sony PlayStation, that the Sega were finished and and so on. But I I argued and and said, uh, you know, I really, really wanted a Saturn. And so I bought it, took it home. And during the 90s, I was a a father and and just starting out in a job. Um, So I had two babies. I didn't have a lot of time to game. So for me, playing the Saturn sports games were were king. Things like golf, driving, maybe the odd fighting game, but um, I wasn't like a big RPG gamer or anything like that. So uh, yeah, that's that's how I ended up with the Saturn. It was following the golf ball, and um, and that was what it was.
4: Um, like I said before, I got into the Saturn fairly late, so a lot of the games that everybody played before um, that. And that whole new technology, new emerging technology, feeling really wore off. So playing games like Clockwork Knight, uh, uh, Mr. Bones, or any of those other games that are sort of pseudo like 3D and sort of bl- pseudo or sort of blasting graphics really didn't uh, appeal to me. And it just looked like it was old and dated. A lot of stuff in the U.S. market. Not not trying to slight the U.S. games guys, but it just really didn't appeal to me. It just seemed really old and outdated. And it's like why would I play that when I could play something on you know, Xbox for high quality. What really appealed to me, though, is a lot of the 2D stuff, because in the U.S. well, there wasn't a ton of 2D stuff. That Japan got a boatloads, especially in the shoot 'em up category. And a lot of those games really appealed to me. A lot of the fighters and the the uh, a lot of fighters and shoot 'em ups. And while we didn't get them a lot here, we got a ton in Japan, and a lot of them were fairly affordable. So that's really what got me into it, and just the the excitement and the lore of the system. It's like a so like an, a new underground uh, hipster thing, where it's like, well, nobody knows about this old system. And it's like, uh, just something that I really was into and nobody knew about. And it's really, had a really strong and tight-knit community. And I just kept picking up games and love them. I mean, just recently I just picked up Gunbird for it and I've just been having a blast trying to go through it. So there's not a, never a never a dull moment. And I keep learning and figuring out new things about the system that I didn't know before. And there's just so many games, it's so exciting. And that's why it really appealed to me.
2: Yeah, as for me, you know, uh, I grew up with the with the Genesis. You know, I picked up the Genesis in uh, 1995, and most of my friends they were they were Nintendo guys. Most people in America were. So it always seemed like you know my friends were coming over to the house, and they were playing the Genesis, and I always had I always had a love affair with it because it was a much darker system, and. How that relates to the Saturn was, is that whenever it came time to, you know, pick between the PlayStation and the Saturn, which that was the choice, you know, I had in 1997, you know, a lot of my friends had already picked up the, the, not the Dreamcast, the the PlayStation, excuse me, a lot of my friends had already picked up the PlayStation, and I'd already, you know, dealt around with it and played with it and everything. You know, I liked it and all, but whenever I got my hands on a Sega Saturn controller, and I spoke about it, you know, in a in a recent video in regards to the three D controller. I absolutely loved it. I love the two D pad. I love the three D controller. It just it bonded with me. You know, the games that were there, even though, yes, yeah, some of them didn't have the best the best port from say the PlayStation the games that were exclusive to the Sega Saturn which for the games that were in that kiosk at Hollywood video I absolutely loved them with the exception of nights and the dreams I know everybody's gonna hate me for that, but I, I just didn't understand that game, but I just felt like I, the best way I can say it is I felt drawn to it. I love the console I love playing it. I love getting involved with it. You know, it just it was it It, it actually spoke to me more than the PlayStation did so Whenever it was all said and done, that was my primary reason for going with it. And you know, looking back, I I'm really not you know I'm really not sad I did either because I didn't really miss out on anything in my opinion with the PlayStation. As far as I'm concerned, the Saturn had a lot better exclusivity.
1: Cool. You know, everybody likes an underdog. I think. I mean, I'm a I'm a Padres fan, and they've never won a World Series, so. You know, I think that's just part of my personality. Is I went for a console that was hard to obtain, hard to. Uh, it just had to be sought out. It was just something that it wasn't spoon-fed to you. It was some, You, you kind of had to seek out the Saturn. You had to want to be a Saturn fan um, because all of my friends had a PlayStation or a Nintendo sixty-four. So I kind of was the odd man out, but um, I like that, you know, it was it was that independent personality of mine that I just wanted to have something different, you know, and I shared it with my brother and we just had so much fun. I think um, that first game that I was really seeking that that drew me to the Saturn was Daytona USA. I saw it in the arcade. I was blown away. I really had to have Daytona USA. And when I went to a game store and described it to the clerk, he he knew what game I was talking about. And he literally told me, well, that's, that's on a system you don't really want, you know. Um, let me show you Ridge Racer, you know, on the PlayStation and really tried to sell me a PlayStation hard. But, um, you know, I just left that day and I just decided that I was going to seek out this console. And, and then at the store, uh, standing in the queue for uh, Mario 64, I saw Nights into Dreams in a t- on a tiny little CRT behind the glass. And it just blew me away just looking at that game in motion it was just the demo you know and i was watching knights fly through the hoops and i just said that this is just amazing it just blew my mind and i left that that line i left that queue in the store and forgot all about mario 64 and and i've never turned back since
5: so it might seem weird to say this nowadays but at the time when i got my saturn which was in uh, for christmas of 1996 the saturn really was the popular console to get Like the PlayStation eventually uh, kind of won the console wars. It got much more popular than the Saturn would ever get. But in 96, the Saturn really was the console to get in Portugal, because Sega was really huge. I mean, everyone had a Mega Drive. A lot of people had master systems and Saturn was the next big thing. We never got the whole uh, controversy about the Mega CD and 32X. It was just the good old standard Mega Drive. Uh, which had an awesome reputation, and the Saturn was the console to get. And so it really wasn't so much of a conscious uh, choice, decision by me, it was just, I went with the flow of the times, and I was really aware of it, because at the time, there was a TV show about uh, video games, and they talked the Saturn just constantly, so I was really very much aware of the brand of the console, and um, it was a good decision.
6: Well, I mentioned this on our um, our first ShiroCast way back when now. Um, I actually was not really a fan of the Saturn to start. Uh, it was way too expensive. Um, but uh, in Hawaii, being a, a stopping point between you know, the U.S. and Japan, um, we actually had a lot of import shops, and so I had a lot of access to import games. And a buddy of mine who worked over at uh, Blockbuster... Um, Let me know that they were getting rid of all their Saturn stuff and I remember um, another buddy of mine who Went headfirst for Saturn getting virtual on and I really loved that game in the arcade so I decided you know what I'll go ahead and grab virtual on I'll grab this $30 Saturn with a PlayStation blockbuster case and uh, Yeah, I grabbed that and at the time I was really into my Super Nintendo and some import games one of which was fire pro wrestling So I found out that um, the Saturn had a version of Fire Pro Wrestling uh, for import, a six men scramble. And I imported that, I picked up Virtual On, I grabbed some twin sticks and I really never looked back.
0: You know, um, I actually got into the Saturn, or what sparked my interest was actually the Dreamcast. Um, as I mentioned, I was uh, kind of a latecomer to the Saturn. Um, I was about ten years late on that, but I was there for uh, launch day nine nine ninety nine with the Dreamcast, and and I love that system so much. Um, you know, the Sega just seemed like they they pushed such an innovative, devil may care attitude, and I loved all the creative boundaries that. That, that Sega emphasized during its short uh, lifespan. And the Dreamcast always had plenty of bizarre and, and unique games uh, with uh, the seemingly endless capacity to uh, to surprise. And I just never felt that dynamic with any other console at the time or, or, or after that. And, and I think maybe that's with good reason, since uh, manufacturers, you know, they tend to want to stay solvent with their consoles. Um, to be able to keep producing uh, software and hardware. Um, so they're not gonna take a lot of those risks with a Seaman you know, or a Shenmue um, or anything like that. But, but in reflecting on those innovative uh, and creative qualities that I like so much about the, the Dreamcast, uh, as well as its unapologetic you know, arcade sensibilities and its status as an underdog, um, I got to thinking that perhaps owning a Saturn might uh, yield a similar appeal. Um, and so, uh, you know, I looked towards that and saw its vibrant, uh, lineup of Sega arcade classics and, and also being a Sega or a Sonic fan as a kid, uh, Knights also kind of put that over the top. So, so eventually I just had to buy a Saturn.
4: Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you, agree with you that it had that, that allure, I think it probably would be more, the Saturn would be more successful if it had that, had that Dreamcast feel to it and we're just at the right place at the right time, but I mean, things just didn't line up, you know? Yeah.
2: All right, gents. So what was it like being a Saturn fan during the three to four years that it was on the market? Okay, well, I'm going to chip
3: in there. Um, my memory is a tiny bit hazy of that time, but I do remember that Saturn was always second fiddle to the PlayStation. So <clears throat> I did say already that I wasn't much of a gamer. Um, the games that I got outside of sports games. So I had Sega Rally and Virtua Fighter at launch with the with the console that got bundled with the console. I had my golf, actual golf, I think it was. Um, so I was playing those games a lot. The games that I actually bought were dictated by the scarcity of Saturn stuff on the shelves. <clears throat> I think someone's already talked about, I think maybe it was Dave talked about the joy of finding an obscure title, Saturn title for sale in the shops. Well, for me, it wasn't the obscure titles. It was just whatever was there. So I ended up with Clockwork Knight uh, was one of the games that I ended up with and Panzer Dragoon. Great. Not because I had any desire to, to get hold of those games or because I'd heard about those games. It was simply they were the only ones available. Um, I, I, I remember being able to get the official Sega Saturn magazine um, for a couple of years. And I used to buy that regularly because you got a disc with every episode. And um, but, but, you know, there wasn't a glut of games in the shops. There wasn't a bunch of people talking about the games. Um, it was very much a, in my memory, a, a second fiddle console to the Sony PlayStation. And in fact, my children were very unhappy. I think about about six and um four, they they already knew that that uh a saturn was not what they wanted, and so we ended up getting a Sony PlayStation for the kids because they didn't want a game on a saturn, and that's aged at about six or four, they knew that it wasn't a cool console. So that's me done.
4: So, I i can't speak as a saturn fan, but I can speak as a, as a sega fan. Uh, as a kid growing up in the 90s, I watched a little cartoons, talked on the playground, and I never heard of the system once, and any advertising on any TV shows, anything, and, and Dave could probably attest to this on the west coast, but the east coast, in Jersey, there was like nothing. It was barren, there was no, there's nothing, and uh, I actually talked to my parents about it and asked them, well, I was a big fan of Sega, why didn't, you know, get me Saturn? And they never knew about it, They they didn't know anything about it, I guess. I guess a lot of the stores we went to, they didn't have them on the shelves through that whole, uh, the whole Saturn push that they did in the with the, the Saturn E3 release. But there was just nothing. I mean, and I know because I, I used to watch the cartoons and I got like Nintendo 64 and I saw the PlayStation and talked to the kids about it, but I've never heard of once about it. And I didn't learn about it till years later, so it still baffles me to this day how, se- how Sega could have messed up that bad with the marketing and... Really, I think I would have liked the Saturn if I knew more about it and there was more games to play on it. And uh, Dave, would you be able to chime in about your West Coast experience? Yeah, I
1: have no memories of the original launch. In fact, I, I missed the launch. I was telling Nuno the other day, um, we were just bombarded in 93 and 94 with all of these Me Too consoles that were coming out. Um, the, the beginning wave, like the XI, the CDX, the the multi-mega you know just um the 3DO so many consoles i would see in these magazines and they were all uh they were all unattainable to a kid with my allowance so i just kind of became desensitized to it and i was just like i'm gonna stick with my snes and i'm just gonna you know keep my head down and i so so it just i missed the saturn when it launched you know and um and then later on when i found out about it or about the time that nights was coming out and that's when i really latched onto it you know, my experience would always be, you know, getting made fun of or, or, you know, being derided just because I was looking for a certain game or something like that. But um, I felt like you were almost pushed towards Sony. And I'm just wondering if Sony had like a, I don't know, if they gave stores kickbacks for selling their product, you know, because that's how it felt like to me.
2: You know, kind of to address what you were talking about, you know, down here in the south, uh, yeah, we had the Sega ads. I remember the, the Saturn ads on the TV. I remember in the magazines and everything. And like I said, I never picked up mine until 1997. But I will say this, and it kind of goes back to the history. Um, so Sega kind of screwed over whenever they did the E3 launch, and there was a number of there was a number of retailers who just did not want their product on the shelf. And I can tell you right now that a number of retailers, I can't remember the very first time. I mean, granted, we had very few places to buy Saturn at. But like, say, Walmart, I didn't see the first Saturn game on the shelf at a Walmart until probably 1996. So it just seemed like there wasn't an availability per se. Uh, granted, like I said, we didn't really have the the biggest outlet. I mean, yeah, if I went 40, 50 miles away to a city or something, I might have seen something. But other than that, it really It really wasn't the case and you know since I got into it so late and most y'all can probably attest to this whenever we got to the end of the lifespan and we knew the Dreamcast was coming the games were were absolutely cheap as anything I mean I can still remember Saturn games in the shelf and it was I'd say 1999 almost 2000 they were still there immaculate and they cost 15-20 dollars and that's really whenever my collecting really started was whenever I could do the the 10-15 dollar games like Panzer Dragoon and all that so you know as far as I'm concerned it, for at least for the Sega Saturn collectors it was a lot better to wait until the tail end of it so you know it's kind of it's it's hard pressed to say whether we actually had people that were kind of being bought out by Sony, or people that were getting paid off, or whatever the case is. But I can tell you right now, it really seemed like the Sega brand was completely dead, at least until the release of the Dreamcast.
5: Over here, I really doubt that there was any kind of politics behind the scenes. I think it was just really the market forces at work. And, but it was really hard being a Saturn fan at the time. Because as I said, in the beginning, it was just so popular. I, I mean, there was no way that you could have predicted at the time uh, that the Saturn would ever lose uh, the the fight against the the PlayStation, which was the newcomer, which had everything to prove and no history, no fame. And uh, seeing the the Saturn slowly get behind the, the PlayStation in sales and in games, people would start to talk more and more about PlayStation. That TV show that I mentioned would uh, give more and more time to the PlayStation, and at some point they basically stopped talking about the Saturn at all. If you went to to a store, you saw more and more shelf space uh, dedicated to the PlayStation and fewer and fewer Saturn games, and at some point the games just stopped. And if if you had started certain series in the Sega Saturn, for example Tomb Raider, And then you saw the sequels uh, to that first game on the PlayStation, but not on the Saturn. It was just, it was really, really hard all around. Uh, At the time, uh, I think we were justified in thinking that we had just bet on the wrong horse.
6: Uh, I kind of got into the Saturn late during its run. Um, It had already been uh, failing in the U.S. at, at the point where I got it. So um, I wasn't subjected to any of the real advertisements that came on there. Um, I did see like the the three pack that came out um, and the push for that. Uh, I saw the um, the price drop uh, when the uh, PlayStation was just completely demolishing it in sales. Uh, the main thing that I had going for me during the time when it was actually released was the fact that there were so many good import games, um, and I was already used to purchasing imports. Uh, playing the imports were kind of a, a little bit of a difficulty um, at that point. You know, the action replay was available, but it was sixty dollars at the time. Um, and yeah, like like it's already been mentioned. Um, when I finally started becoming a fan of the system itself, uh, people would laugh at you. Basically, you know, my high school, uh, uh, my high school classmates would kind of go, well, "What are you playing that thing for?" Um, but the import scene was really where the games were at, and that's the only way I could convince anyone to play on the Saturn.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and actually, I had some friends in high school, you know the very few of them who were actually Saturn fans, I mean, they, that's what they would swear by. It's like, it's a system that's worth owning when you, when you look, you know, to all of the uh, Capcom fighting games and and pretty much everything that was released in Japan that that we didn't get over here. And so it was just a whole world uh, that was kind of shut off by, uh, to the layman who, you know, had no idea that stuff existed. Um, And I think there were a lot of factors at the time that contributed to, you know, Sony, their dominance. I mean, they just, they didn't, I don't know how hard they actually had to try uh, after they set, you know, a lower $299 price point. Um, You know, their their console was a lot easier to develop for and ended up with uh, more developer support and and greater breadth of uh, games in its library. And, you know, it just reached a new generation of people that had never really considered owning a games console before. And so there was you know a big reset button there that you know it didn't really matter if they already predisposed to sega or nintendo or whatever um that they were just kind of you know learning about games for the first time and they saw you know playstation just dominating the uh the store shelves more or less and during that generation even though i didn't own a saturn i was always keeping pretty close tabs on what all of the all of the players were doing um and i was intrigued at the time of uh, by what the saturn was uh, had to offer um, and, you know, Sega's marketing did reach me, but, you know, mostly via gaming magazines and, and just walking into stores and seeing some of the bundles like the, the Virtua Cop, the Virtua Fighter, uh, Daytona USA console bundle, um, as well as, you know, Knights uh, during that Christmas uh, 96 season. You know, those, those games really did catch my attention, but unfortunately, by the time I did get a console of that generation, it was two years later in uh, Christmas in 98. Um, and the Saturn was pretty much dead by then, and my parents ended up finding me a, a Nintendo 64 instead. Um, and by that point, I had already set my set, my sights on the Dreamcast, more or less, which, which I would eventually buy on launch day.
2: All right, so, you know, everybody likes to talk about how Bernie Stoller and Sega of America completely ruined the Sega Saturn and the Sega brand. But we all know that there was more to play in that. So with that being said, What do y'all think Sega could have possibly done differently in regards to the Saturn?
3: Um, I guess what they could have done differently was made their system easier to code for, because um, as well as as various fallings out with EA, the Saturn stopped getting some of the big releases that the PlayStation were getting, and I, I think that that was its biggest mistake for me was that It couldn't compete with the PlayStation in the games that were coming out. If it had had all of the releases that my children had wanted, I would never have bought one. Never have bought a PlayStation. We could have just carried on on the Saturn, but the games weren't coming out for the Saturn. The kids wanted a PlayStation and that's the way it went.
4: With with Sega, I think they need to start way back by, uh, in my opinion, I think they should just cut the 32X and just went with the Saturn instead, because, I mean, that would have got that would have got people, okay, well, we have, we have the Sega CD, and that's great, but we have the Saturn 42 and forward to. And, it, and they wouldn't have had people, like, dissuaded by, okay, well, they have the 32X, this is another, this is the Saturn another 32X? I think they should have had better market, fo- better market focus to begin with, maybe uh, spruce up their marketing campaign to try to reflect sort of what Sony and Nintendo were doing at the time. Um, follow through with the original launch date, which I think... Is what killed it, which killed a lot of the retailers and burnt bridges. I think they would just fall through, had a good stock of the games out I think they would have had a good nice push and then try to push more RPGs when Final Fantasy 7 succeeded As everyone was sort of got that and I think if they pushed more out and sort of had people like hook line sinker with that I think they would have gotten a lot of good sales from that um, A lot of people blame Bernie, but I think uh, to be honest Bernie was doing damage control at that point point. And it's sort of evident by the the successful and great launch the Dreamcast had when it first pushed out. Bernie learned this, the mistakes from Tom, and just pushed out the, the Dreamcast. And I mean, everyone knew about that. That sold bundles, and the only reason really why it died is just the the, the PS2 sort of uh, colossus stranglehold they had, and that market they got from the PlayStation. Amen to that. Um, that was really eloquent, Pat. And I could
1: not agree more with Pat on the the 32X just being kind of an unnecessary stopgap. I know that they cut their teeth on that uh, that architecture, the dual processor architecture. And I love the Saturn's architecture, don't get me wrong. But I think that, you know, it, Tom Kalinske spent Sega of America into a deficit. Sega of Japan did not like that. It didn't play to their conservative, uh, you know, kind of the way that Japanese business is very conservative and they like to have um, you know money in reserve and so I think that they kind of put Kalinsky on a short lease and I wish they hadn't you know I wish they had given him more freedom because I do have a lot of admiration for him as a CEO. Um, I think that they shouldn't have dumped so much marketing money on that kind of attitude marketing that was just so out of date we weren't naive anymore as consumers and that just didn't play well with us. You know, we we could see right through it. We wanted to see good gameplay. You know, we didn't want to just see, uh, you know, have t- them blow $25 million on a marketing campaign that completely fell dead. Um, I wish that they would have localized the UK magazine in the United States so that there was some place for us to get news back in the day when we didn't have the internet, uh, or at least wasn't re- readily available. And, um, you know, I just wish that, um, I wish that that they would have seen ahead of time the importance of 3D. I'm so glad that the Saturn is a capable 2D machine, but I wish they would have been able to have some foresight to be able to see the importance of 3D so that they would have worked on the development kits ahead of time. They would have worked on the architecture and the development kits ahead of time to give um, developers a real solid firm footing out the door.
2: Yeah, I kind of have to echo what both of y'all said. Um, Sega did a completely, and you know this This is something I need, I need to chime in on, is that everybody likes to blame Bernie Stoller, but at the end of the day, Sega of America and Sega of Europe were completely subservient to the will and wishes of Sega of Japan. Now if Sega Japan didn't like the idea, then it was just dead on the water, uh, and there's no way around that. So whenever it came to Sega of America dumping as much money as they did, they were trying to jump the gun, because you know the, the Saturn had come out in Japan already. So you have the drop in japan and you have the playstation coming out sega of america had already seen sega of japan too had already seen just how well the playstation was doing so that jump that they did at the first e3 was completely and totally from a business standpoint it might have made sense at that moment but the what happened after the fact the fallout was insane like I talked about earlier you had multiple retailers who would not even put their product on the shelves they killed their market people were sitting there like okay so I, I can drop 300 400 bones on, on a Saturn right now and I there might be a couple of games for it I don't know what's going on I've been trying what happened to Saturn day I mean the whole the whole thing was the debacle into itself and that could be a whole episode unto itself but it wasn't just the launch it was the follow through because the the titles that we had the branding that we had was so destroyed already that by the time i picked it up in 97 most people were laughing at saturn i mean we're laughing at the saturn they were laughing at sega they just could not deal with it you know and the playstation was blowing the market up and then on top of that you had just the death of it coming in it's just the 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 dreamcast it just i don't think in any possible way you could have had the Saturn work with the lineup they had following it or the lineup they had preceding it. So I'm going to have to echo Pat's point, the 32X just completely destroyed things in a lot of ways the Sega Saturn, I mean the Sega CD did as well. So that's my two cents.
5: Well I think we should always keep in mind that every market was its own thing. Of course they all affected each other but there's a reason why the Saturn was still moderately successful in Japan. And though we still ended up losing to the PlayStation in sheer number of sales. But in the US, from what I know, what I've read about it, it was just a complete disaster, and as you guys have talked about. So, uh, speaking about how things were in Europe, or at least in my country in specific, I really don't think it was a, a marketing problem, or a, a, a matter of damaging the brand recognition, or the brand image. I think it was, it, this is just my opinion, of course but i think it was the biggest problem was really the hardware how hard it was to program for i mean of, of course we all know that there were skilled programmers who managed to pull off some amazing games but we can't deny that it was um, i'm not a programmer myself but from what i've read about it it was a really hard system to program for with the dual cpus and uh, not being made from the ground up for 3d so i think that really hurt in comparison to the playstation and i think developers at some point really decided to to jump ship and to program exclusively for the for the playstation so i think that if uh, from the very beginning uh if the saturn had been made uh, differently uh, made to handle 3d better and being easier to program for i think uh, probably programmers and publishers would have kept uh, developing uh, multi-platform titles for the longest time. So as I said before, instead of having Tomb Raider 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 exclusively on the PlayStation, they could have still have been made for the Saturn and unfortunately they weren't. And uh, it was the lack of games, in my opinion, it was really in the end for the consumer, it was lack of games that really did the Saturn in
6: well, um, not to, to beat the dead horse, but, you know, the same topics keep coming up about this, and, and that is poor marketing, uh, early launch, uh, difficulty in programming, um, and then brand recognition. Uh, all of these were uh, really uh, difficult to get over. Uh, you know, as a consumer, um, I look at uh, the 32X on a Genesis, you know, I was a kid at the time, right? I and mean, like. Uh, intermediate high school and uh, you're looking at that setup and you're just going well if this thing is supposed to upgrade my Genesis to a 32-bit system then why would I want to get a Saturn and then you get the Saturn you look at the cartridge port going how come I can't play my Genesis games in this what what's the point so uh, it's already been said um, and I agree with everyone else's points on this Uh, Sega you know pardon the expression they screwed the pooch and there was just too much product out there uh not enough knowledge no backwards compatibility and uh yeah it was just terrible
0: uh yeah i mean you guys covered all of those issues pretty thoroughly uh, i mean i certainly agree that almost all of those issues were baked in well before the saturn was even released and, and by the time you know regardless of whether they stuck to the saturn day uh launch date or you know or their surprise launch i mean i think the other mounting issues and also just being hamstrung by the decisions of sega japan um i mean really did limit how successful that console was going to be able to or was going to be um but all of that said i'm honestly not sure i would have wanted sega to do much differently at all uh i mean i I've always kind of felt it was Sega's incompetence on the business side of things that allowed their creative efforts to flourish in the first place. And I mean, if Sega had more wherewithal to sell a console and games that would actually succeed in a market that was, uh, you know, increasingly abandoning uh, style games that Sega was known for—that was their bread and butter. Um, I don't think the Saturn would have, you know, had as many great and memorable titles that. At least would have appealed to me specifically in that vein, um, and it really was those vibrant arcade-style Sega ports that truly defined the system for me. Um, and if Sega had done things a little differently, and and maybe uh, not had all of made all those marketing and, and architecture mistakes early on, and had better foresight that 3D was going to be where where the console uh, needed to go, uh, perhaps its library maybe maybe would have been uh, you know wouldn't have been as unique as it was, and, and it might have looked a lot more like the playstations um but but if i had to say one thing maybe uh, you know later on they could have brought more of its jrpgs and other japanese exclusive heavy hitters out west i know final fantasy 7 pretty much signaled a massive resurgence of interest in the rpg genre um and so it seemed like it probably could have been more low-hanging fruit for them to to translate and bring over uh, grandia and and uh, scenarios two and three of shining force 3 and dragon force 2 and police knots and all of those um, but you know of course i'm probably underestimating all the money and resources that would have uh, been needed to to make that happen
2: all right so now that we've got the saturn's past out of the way let's talk about a little bit about the saturn's present. you know with so many consoles and gaming experiences out there you know what is the most appealing part of the sega saturn in regards to its gaming how much play time does it get are you currently collecting for the saturn you know, if if so, does collecting for the Saturn take priority over gaming on the Saturn or vice versa? And if that be the case, how are you preserving your collection for the system?
3: Okay, I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, for me at the moment, the Saturn's taking all my gaming time and it's taking all my playtime and it's taking all my money in terms of my collecting budget. Um, the reason for that is that in the two periods of my satin love which would probably be 1996 to 1998 and then 2006 to about maybe 2010 um, i just think that the saturn in 2017 has become the most important system for me because i had no idea what was available i've got my saturn with the uh pseudo saturn mod on the action replay card now so that Everything that is available on the Saturn is now available to me. I had no idea what was available in Japan. I had no idea about some of the rarer games. So for me, 2017 has been a journey of discovery and uh, the only thing I'm spending money on at the moment is the Saturn, I bought a JVC Saturn um, for about £200, which is more than you'd have to pay for a PS4. Um, <clears throat> and the gaming i'm doing on the sat is is all the import games schmucks, 2d fighters things i've never heard about it's the most exciting system for me at the moment because there's so much available i had no idea what was available on this system and i am just absolutely having the time of my life discovering what's available and enjoying it um in terms of uh, collecting i am buying imports i'm buying Rare games, but the really rare games, the priciest ones. I'm uh, enjoying having a few reproduction copies of those games. I I, have just discovered the scene of repro um, packaging and the scene of repro disc uh, construction. Um, And so I'm finding that you can buy things which look as good and play as good as the real thing, and I'm happy to do that. So all of my money at the moment is going on the Saturn.
4: So one of the biggest things that I do when I do not collect for the Saturn, I do when, it's, when I can get it for a decent price or something fair, but it, some most of the time it gets backlogged by the Dreamcaster, the Neo. So essentially, uh, for playtime, I'm a really busy guy with college and stuff, so I don't have a t- ton of time to play, but I love playing shmups and 2D fighters because a lot of them are pick-up-and-go. So if I have five minutes to do, uh, do some gaming or something, I will plop in a disc and play some gunbird or something like a, something like a, a radiant silver gun or Batsu gun, or one of my favorites, Game Paradise, Probably one of my favorite shmups on that system. But um, in collecting terms, I have a three-tiered approach where it's Dreamcast, Neo Geo and Saturn just to keep the price down. And that's what I'm really interested in right now. So, it'll be either those three. If it's Nintendo, I'll, I mean, I'll skip on it unless it's something like really, I'm really interested in. But for the most part, if it's really good, high quality, it's always Saturn Dreamcast or Neo Geo. And uh, yeah, I just love the system. It's fun to collect for it for the most part. Uh, the Japanese stuff's probably the majority of my collection, though. With uh, Looking right here, like, a, like an, a, a, a 5 to 1 ratio of games, US games to Japanese games.
2: You know, a lot a lot of people like to talk about collecting for systems, whether it be, you know, people up on YouTube having little videos and everything, dropping how many games they picked up this month. But I, I, I wouldn't really consider myself a, a collector. Um, I am in an extent that I purchase games that I like and I like them to be complete, complete in box. You know, I was talking to Dave the other day about this. I have I counted them this morning, so I had the number right in front of me. I have two hundred and seven US titled games for the sake of Saturn, and I have 34. I have 34 Japanese games. Okay. Um, I have a grand total of both of those combined, less than 30 games complete in box because uh, I decided to sell off my entire collection like back in the middle 2000s. And uh, that was back when they were cheap. They're not cheap anymore. (laughs) So actually finding them complete in box was extraordinarily expensive. So I decided to, you know, just pick up uh disc only that 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 was nice um but in regards to collecting i don't just collect for the sega saturn i collect for the dreamcast playstation one playstation two playstation three xbox xbox 360 sega master system i've almost got a complete u.s collection of that um i also pick up for let's see ps4 i've actually got about 50 ps4 i mean i collect for a lot of different things i've got 16 different systems in this house um So whenever it comes to gaming wise, I don't necessarily have all of my time dedicated to the Saturn like other people do. I try to mix match it because I can get burned out on systems, the Saturn included. Um, I normally will, I actually have a board over here where I put all of my information down and a couple of the guys from Titancast have seen it where I actually schedule out my games. And right now I have about 30 games I have to play over the next three months to try to knock some of my backlog down. And probably about fifteen of those games are Saturn, including three of which my wife picked up for me. But I've already beat them, so I figured that now that I actually have the physical copy, I'm gonna beat it again. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I roll. Yeah, and uh, I definitely
4: agree with you on the on the collect what you play sort of thing. And because uh, one of my biggest philosophies is that I really love, I play what I collect. So if I'm not gonna play it, I don't I don't get it. So. A lot of like the sports games are some weird uh, Saturn games—it's just not in my collection. It's all, all 100%, 100 uh pure and zero pulp.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie and say that I don't have some 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 filler in there. I mean, there's plenty of titles that are filler, but a lot of those games are are the ones that they're kind of like you know the the guilty pleasures of sorts. I guess you can say. I picked it up for about 15 yeah not even 15 dollars most of the time it's five six dollars for those games and i'll pick them up and i'll play them and i'll put them there i'm just not really big into the selling back man i, I can tell you right now there's only one game i have ever traded back in and that was tom clancy's the the on ps4 i spent maybe 12 hours on that game and i said nah i ain't doing this
4: they don't got no schmups in that game exactly man exactly
1: yeah well um You know, uh, a lot like Simon, it's funny when I listen to Simon talk, it it sounds like my life, you know? I mean, it's funny because I had an initial run with the Saturn and then, you know, you just have periods uh, falling out or just kind of... uh, But I always keep coming back to it. I've noticed, like, I did, uh, in the mid-2000s, I did have a period of just, like, burning discs. And, And that's why I tell Kay I've got, like, a whole CD binder. Like, I've got these huge library of cd binders just filled with japanese games because that was the time period where i was really discovering everything that the import library had to offer and i did fall in love with the saturn again uh through that time and then of course kind of kind of took a break from it with this with the dreamcast that's another uh console that i just love so much and everything that it has to offer um and you know at, at, there came a point where i was just like You know, I love these games so much, but I I own so few of them, real, real copies, you know, and at the time it seemed like the stupidest thing to try to get into because I was already well aware of how expensive they were. And I was just like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to bite the bullet and start, you know, collecting for this console that's already just way out of control? Um, but you know, when you love something so much like that, you just, you do have a tendency. So, you know, it's been chipping away and it's just been a slow progress, um, building up a U.S. collection. So, you know, with all of the, with all of the gaming on Japanese, uh, titles, I kind of came back to the U.S. side and decided, you know, okay, this is what I need to be timely about because it's only getting worse, you know? So I spent time chipping away at my U.S. collection and, and, um, I feel good. I feel great about where it is right now and uh and yeah, I'm just you know trying to cl- trying to keep them in protective boxes to protect them. I know that you know time will wear them away, but you know I'm just trying to get as much play out of them as I can and and the Saturn does kind of sit uh, in the center of my setup. I just spend the most time playing it because um, like Simon says, it gives me these bite sized game uh play experiences where I can just jump on and Sega Rally and it's just so funny how a game like that's so timeless like that it just never gets old I mean it might look like that you know janky 32-bit 3d graphics but um, there's just some charm about it and it just I can just play it over and over and over again and that's true of so many other great Saturn titles
5: so uh, first of all I don't collect it's just not something that I do that I'm interested in I'm just interested in playing Uh, Not that I don't appreciate boxes and cover art and stuff like that, but nowadays I mostly just get myself a backup. (laughs) It's not something pretty to admit, but it's true. And uh, something about my gaming habits. Nowadays, even though I have a lot of real hardware, real consoles, nowadays I just emulate everything on my PC. There's a long story about that. I'm not going to talk about it here or it would eat up a lot of time from the podcast, but I just emulate everything on my PC and I... I mean so many systems and so many different types of games that I just keep constantly changing things up you know um, I'm just constantly yeah going from one system to another, one type of game to another. It's I go with whatever interests me at the time. Uh, still, I have a soft spot for the for the setup. Uh, obviously I mean you know uh, you know my uh, my history with the system by now. So I do try to give it some special attention. And I'm. there are still so many games that I never tried. I mean, when I think of the Saturn, so many popular games that uh, most of you probably have played and I haven't. And I still want to. So whenever I feel like playing some Saturn, I just look up a game that I haven't played that I don't actually have a list. But imagine I have a metaphorical list of all the games I want to play on the Saturn. And um, yeah, I still... I still love playing the Saturn, there are so many games that I haven't tried yet.
6: So, um, I have to admit that as of late, uh, the Xbox One gets turned on more often than any other system in the house, primarily because it's a glorified YouTube or uh, Netflix machine. Uh, not necessarily because of any real good game experiences on it. Uh, not that there aren't good game experiences on it either, but you know, you have a four-year-old and YouTube is life so um, but uh, Saturn gaming for me it has um, the best home experiences of the 2d fighters that I loved Uh, it had a lot of uh, game uh, game experiences like uh, fire pro wrestling having a a six-player fire pro uh, party was one of the highlights um, having a four-player tag system long before Tekken Tag was a thing. Uh, having um, ten-player Bomberman, so a lot of multiplayer uh, that you know game experiences that just really didn't exist anywhere else. Uh, it gets a little bit of playtime um, when I'm here working, but primarily um, I've switched gears from playing my Saturn uh, towards uh, preserving it. Um, I am actively dumping every game I own using the same kind of software and the same uh, hardware to produce the most accurate dumps possible uh, for part of the Redump project. And so you'll find uh, a lot of my time with my Saturn these days, checking out my collection and seeing if they have any read errors or data holes in them. Um, As far as... uh, collecting, yeah, I, I'm still there. I'm uh, two disks away from a complete US set. And I don't think I'm ever going to see those two disks uh, you know, in my actual ownership. And then, of course, trying to get all the uh, expensive and rare Japanese games uh, to be part of that project.
0: Wow. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, and maybe we'll get into this a little later, but the, um, just that whole effort, those efforts towards preserving and archiving um, the Saturn library, I mean, I think are gonna go a long way to to keeping the system relevant, um, you know, for generations to come. But uh, anyway, when it comes to uh, both playing and collecting, uh, I just gotta say, I'm, I'm helplessly impulsive and very easily distracted. So it's a very rare occurrence that I can just sit down long enough with like a story-driven game and, and play it all the way uh, to completion before I get distracted by something else. So, yeah, echoing the sentiments that uh, Dave and Simon shared earlier, uh, I really have always gravitated towards those quick, easy to pick up, difficult to master experiences uh, that the arcade excelled in um, as a way to kind of add variety to whatever else I may be trying to uh, work on or play at the time. Um, and while I do tend to alternate off and on between most of my retro consoles, um, I mean, I'm cycling uh, all the time. I mean, I'm never, you know, am just as... Uh, Distracted when it comes to uh, what I have hooked up on, on either of my televisions, um, but uh, you know I have played the Saturn probably more consistently over the last couple of years than than any other console, including the Dreamcast and um, and some of those. And I, I probably play it about you know four or five times a week uh, for a couple hours on average. Um, but regarding collecting specifically, maybe I'm more of a cole- or I'm less of a collector and, and maybe more of a, a hoarder because um, I, really, I don't really have any budget or, or, or a set budget or goals for acquiring the games. Um, I, I really have no tact or strategy with any of that. I just kind of buy whatever looks interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm as I mentioned earlier, I'm helplessly impulsive. So I end up buying a lot of games as I see blog write-ups and videos and reviews on a lot of games that just look interesting that I, that I want to play at the time. Um, and as prices of the especially games in North America have skyrocketed uh, I've currently been focusing on picking up Japanese uh, versions of a lot of games especially exclusives that never made it out west uh, as well as uh, as cheaper alternatives of insanely expensive titles like you know House of the Dead and Saturn Bomberman um, so I do end up buying a lot of games uh, that I I never have time to play um, but I, I think the Saturn is not really unique in that regard. Um, but as, uh, for as often as I do play the Saturn, I feel like there's a pretty good balance. Um, and, and I do get a pretty good enjoyment out of most of its arcade style games without uh, demanding too much time uh, to, to um, dedicate to them.
5: So I just wanted to add that even though I have a small collection I have around 10 games and most of them are the same games that I had as a kid so they do have a special meaning for me and I want to preserve them as best as I can. I obviously don't expose them to sunlight and basic stuff like that but when it comes to playing if I want to play one of the games I own on an emulator I usually make my own backup of the game. There's no really good reason for that. I mean you could consider that is because some some backups on the web are just not done properly and i probably am not doing it properly uh, i bet Kay would have something to add about that the proper way to make a backup of your own disc but uh they <laughs> they work and uh, i just wanted to point that out because i've never done this for any other system like the first time i've ever made a backup of a game that i own to play Um, It was for the Saturn, and it actually was for uh, Christmas Nights, a Japanese import that Simon gave to me a long time ago. So I really don't want to put the original disc in danger.
6: So, um, I I got asked in our chat uh, what two discs I'm missing uh, from my set, and um, I am missing the uh, demo, Uh, it is uh, Sega Screams Volume 2, And I'm missing the disc only, because I actually have the manual. Um, I'm missing the disc for Daytona Netlink. Uh, But beyond that, my collection includes every disc variant that I know of, every revision variant that I know of. um, And, uh, yeah, there's a lot there.
2: Well, now that we know that Kay is absolutely a hoarder, (laughs) let's uh, let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this. You know, um, a lot of people like to... Get involved with the the actual setup, the the video, the audio, all that nice fancy jazz. So what is your current video setup? Yeah, is this your preferred setup or do you have any plans to upgrade?
3: Okay, I'm gonna jump in really quick and say this is not my area of expertise. All I can say is that I use a SCART lead. Um, and that's been something I've used for a long time because European TVs had SCART. Plugs a long time before uh, US TVs, I gather. So I've always used a SCART lead for I would say about the past ten years with the Saturn, and uh, that's all I've got to say on that one.
4: All right. So uh, currently, right now, I'm um, I actually have my Saturn going through a SCART lead as well, a uh, to a, um, a SCART switch, which is basically just a eight a two output eight input uh, SCART uh, switch box. One that goes to my uh, JVC-BM-1900SU, which is a, a, a video monitor that's about 750 lines. And the other one goes to a SCART-to-HDMI upscaler that goes into my capture card, which allows me to stream. Uh, currently, the audio I have is routed through a receiver, which either has the two, two speakers on the top, or just two speakers I have that are on the top of my, my uh, ceiling or it goes to a a pair of headphones which is a uh, I think it's Audio Technica uh ATH-900X ATH-900X are really, really good headphones and I'm I'm an AV freak so I do a lot of that a lot of that stuff so I mean if anybody on that that's listening wants some advice or any has any questions about that just let me know but uh yeah that's, that's what I'm running right now and uh in terms of upgrading i think i'm good for now i'd like to get a bvm maybe something like that does like up to 1080i but i mean i'm happy with what i got right now i have like 3 pvm so i mean i'm not i'm not going to complain much
2: you know my setup is it's kind of a it's kind of a hodgepodge right now, I'm, I'm really shameful to say this but I do not have a way to switch out all my SCART leads besides unplugging them and replugging them in. So hopefully the SCART guides will watch over me and not allow any of my cables to become messed up. But all of my consoles that are RGB capable, except for the PlayStation 2, are all run through RGB sh- straight over to just hanging on the side of a shelf. All those go directly into the frame and the frame monster outputs hd over to my 40 inch uh, sony bravia that i've had since probably 2006 2007. Uh, the ps4 is the only exception it's hooked up to the 40 inch i mean the 50 inch uh, samsung 4k up front now uh if it's component available i run a component if it's hd available and i can throw an hdmi cable into it i just pass it straight through the um FrameMaster. Only exception being is that I also have a SCART 2 component box that I use to get all of my uh SCART inputs into component format, uh YPVPR, so that I can plug it into my 20-inch flash screen Toshiba. I use that for all my light games and for my shmups. I have to say though that my for my 20-inch Toshiba is kind of on its last leg. Talk to David a little bit about possibly trying to rejuvenate it if that's even possible but the top eighth of the screen is just about all but gone uh there's still color there but it, it kind of makes me sad so if anybody out there in the podcast realm has a nice little 20 inch uh crt from uh, toshiba the flat screen kind and you're willing to part with it and you're not a million miles away from louisiana then um we can we can probably hook up and we can probably make some kind of dealings i
4: got you. so basically what you had is a you wanted a 20 inch uh LCD or 20 CRT?
2: This is a 20-inch CRT.
4: I got you. To be honest, I would just uh, I would just go out and look for the Sony Trinitrons with the, the um, component adapter, component leads, and do a SCART to component component uh, transcoder, so that way you can have all the benefits of the uh, of the SCART on a consumer T.R.T. and not have to pay five million dollars for a CRT, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Some of these
2: prices. I mean, that, that that's already what I do. I mean, I start, uh RGB over to YP YP BPR and then throw it into the back of the CRT. So I'm already converting the signal lower.
4: Okay, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you do you have problems finding like the Trinitrons locally or something?
2: Dude, CRTs are almost unavailable around here, except for old JVCs and uh, well, just all brands.
4: I gotcha. Yeah, so uh,
1: my video setup is pretty much opposite of what most people are doing these days and I think that I have the Dreamcast to blame for that because, you know, back in about a decade ago, I got my hands on a Dreamcast VGA box and I plugged that sucker into a PC CRT monitor. And I was just blown away. I mean, it just redefined, I was just like, how can the Dreamcast look this good? I've, I've, you know, been playing the Dreamcast for years, and I never knew a console, an older retro console could look this good. And the question I asked myself is, why can't all my other consoles do this? Or maybe they can, and I just don't, you know. So I at that point, and this was before PVMs or BVMs were really a word on people's tongues, I just, you know, started going down this road of trying to search out how to get all my consoles to do VGA, and I talked to Fudo over on the Shmups forums, and it turned out there were ways. You know, I could, uh, I could use the the Waka, which is a proprietary Sony line doubler for the PlayStation. I could use the XRGB2, uh, which outputs VGA and it line doubles uh, SCART or JP21 RGB from the Saturn. And I could use the D-Video Edge to handle the PlayStation and do line doubling and deinterlacing for that. So literally everything I have, including my PC gaming, goes directly into a 22-inch uh, Pro CRT graphic monitor. And I absolutely love it. It's a Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi all
5: the way, man. So I actually still have uh, an actual Saturn console hooked up to my bedroom TV which is a CRT uh, with a SCART cable uh, which I use for light gun games and um, I still play with it from time to time but mostly I emulate as I said and I hope you didn't think I was talking about sitting in front of my PC on my desk when I'm talking about emulating I have my PC in my living room, in a corner of the living room, hooked up to the to the LCD uh, with an HDMI cable, and uh, I have both a six-axis wireless controller uh, and a, a Play Sega controller, uh, which I talked about on Saturn's Junkyard. It's basically a, a knockoff made by Sega, but uh, with inferior components, uh, a knockoff of the original Saturn uh, gamepad, but with a USB connection. So, in terms of controls, I get almost an original experience and I emulate using MadNafen, the MadNafen core for RetroArch and uh, I think emulation is really a fascinating subject, I mean people spend so much time talking about, not that I'm against, talking about discussing the best ways to hook up old consoles like the Saturn to newer TVs, but emulation is just, is such a fascinating topic in my opinion. Uh, in terms of video quality on one hand you have lots of advantages like uh, you automatically have the proper aspect ratio you have the proper frame rate for whatever whatever uh game you're trying to to play and then you have shaders and shaders are like they're like filters but very advanced filters and you can get so so different styles of looks you can play you can use shaders that like that emulate um the look of uh PBM or uh, others that emulate the look of an average consumer TV from back uh, When we were kids and uh, you have so much control over the quality picture than the style of pictures that you have on Saturn It's just amazing That
6: well, sounds pretty awesome, you know um, What uh, I actually want to follow that up um, what got you? Uh, interested in playing around with those settings and those shaders
5: Um because I, on one hand, I'm just curious to try different uh, ways uh, to to make the games look in different ways. But mostly, it's just to capture the feeling of playing on an actual uh, on an actual CRT uh, monitor. Uh, it might seem ridiculous that I could be playing on a on a monitor, but I have my reasons to prefer nowadays. But still, even though I'm emulating, I'm playing with something, that, a controller that kind of resembles the original controller, and I want the graphics to resemble the, the original graphics. For example, if I had my Saturn connected to an HDTV, for me, that would feel wrong. I'm not obviously not judging any of you who do that, a Twitch their own, but for, but for me, I hate the clean look, a, a clean, like, pixel-perfect look for old consoles. It just looks wrong to me. I, I like so much better when they're kind of blurry and uh, <laughs> you know the the typical look of a of an actual CRT tv like the ones we have we used to have before LCDs took over
6: uh, one more question for you um what is your preferred emulator
5: nowadays it's definitely like no no question about it it's mad nothing. now you could play back in the day ssf was really popular but nowadays i'm so much into mad and i'm just not not going back and you can play with the standalone Madness and emulator, or you can play with the retro arcade. Uh, with retro arcade, sorry, I, I didn't have anything to add after that. It, it's kind of a big uh, topic. I don't want to go too overboard on it. I, I'm already probably talking way too much about it, uh, and I don't want to take more time. But it, it really is a topic that we could talk about it for. A long time, uh, but the, the short answer is that I'm playing on the Madnafen core for Retro Arc, which is kind of a, a, like an emulator all in one for lots of systems. It's a bit complicated.
6: Yeah, I I really wanted to you know let you have a little bit more time to speak on that, um, mostly because out of everyone here, I think you're probably going to be the only one with that kind of a setup, and I think our listeners would probably be very interested in knowing. You know how best to have that emulation, and you know what route to go through. So it might be uh, another article you can do for uh, the junkyard in the future.
5: I have that planned out. I just don't know when I'll get around to it, but it's in the works.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah,
5: yeah. We'll probably have to dedicate a
0: Titan cast to it or episode.
5: Most so, certainly. Most certainly.
6: Uh, on my end, and um, Dave mentioned talking with Fudo. Um, and I've, I haven't talked with him, but I did talk with, uh, you know, a lot of uh, RGB enthusiasts back, oh, gosh, as far as almost 20 years ago now, um, which led me down the path that I have. So uh, my initial RGB screen is a Mitsubishi Megaview Pro 37-inch. Um, and uh, it's a professional CRT. Um, and then I later on got a Panasonic um, Uh, Pro uh, Plasma Monitor. Um, The nice thing about that is that you actually have a SCART input on the back uh, that you can plug into um, a receiver box. So native SCART on a Plasma flat screen. Uh, I also have an XRGB 2 and an XRGB Mini or Framemeister. Um, I own BVMs or PVMs. And my main Saturn screen right now is a BVM 1911, which is sitting right in front of
0: Okay. Well, uh, wow. Um, so I'm extremely low-tech compared to all y'all. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, uh, most of the words you guys are, have been thrown around are just flying right over my head. Um, eventually, you know, I would like to get a Framemeister or OSSC or something, but I definitely sympathize with people who, who don't have the cash to dump into an elaborate setup like that. Um, and I certainly lack the technical know-how to get the most out of out of that kind of thing um, at the moment. Uh, but right now, I do alternate between a couple of uh, setups. Uh, about eighty percent of my time, I'm probably I have my Saturn hooked up to my to a, a Sony Trinitron uh, CRT, um, which is in my my bedroom, um, and it does have a component. Uh, uh, component input, so you know maybe I should consider getting a SCART to component adapter that uh, Patrick, I think you mentioned earlier. Um, but right now, I uh, uh, also the other twenty percent of the time, I, I just use a um, cheapo like forty dollar SCART to HDMI converter um, in my living room, and and it actually is pretty. It's decent enough. Uh, I mean, I've, I've tried a few of them, and this one's better than most without being a full on upscaler. Um, and you know, for my needs and, and as thick as, as my glasses are, uh, it's it's good enough. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't really have the um, I don't know, I just wouldn't really notice uh, too much of a difference, but I'm sure I would love to get a framemeister and, and that'll all change. But, but more and more, I just use my HDM or my HDTV for uh, for my current uh, you know next gen, or my current Gen consoles as well as uh, Dreamcast with the Acura. Um, and, and every now and then I'll hook up the Saturn uh, when friends come over and we'll play a Saturn bomberman or some fighting games or, or if I want to capture some footage uh, through the Elgato.
4: Yeah, Brian, I'm kind of a bit envious of you in that regards because you had a whole new world to explore all these things to look into. I, when I first got into it, it's like I was digging all over the place. I was looking through crevices, forms, uh, videos on YouTube. And just trying to get the best opinions, and I think the journey is long, but it's a lot of fun. And especially, especially for someone like me, a college student that wasn't able to don't have I don't have a lot of cash to do that as well. It's it's a lot of fun to do that. So I, I hope you hope you do that transcoder, the uh, RGB to transco the RGB to right YPbPr transcoder, mm-hmm. So I think it's going to open up a whole new world of beautifulness to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that, and, and you know. Slowly but surely, um, and I feel like I'll probably get just as much out of the out of you know the Shiro podcast when you guys talk about that stuff, and and also when uh, when Nuno and and Sam talk extensively about you know those setups that uh, you know there's just a lot of knowledge here to glean, and I and I uh, I kind of I feel fortunate to to be able to uh, pick your guys' brains about it.
3: Okay, I'm just going to chime in here and say that one of the major um, hassles for Saturn owners is being able to play light gun games and um, if you like me have got rid of all of the CRT TVs in your house around the time that we switched over to digital um, then you're going to have to find uh, ways of lumping these huge things back into your house as I have done over the past couple of years simply so you can play your light gun games. I have many light gun games the Dreamcast and Saturn combined. Uh, but I, I think it's just something that's a real drag that you can't play it on your flat screen TV. Um, but if you are to get the full experience of owning a Saturn, you've got to play Virtua Cop. You've got to play, perhaps, um, you've got to play House of the Dead. So so you're gonna need a CRT TV as well as, you, as your flat screen digital. That's just something I thought I'd mention.
2: All right, gents. Uh... We're skirting around, you know, the repro scene, we're skirting around emulation. So let's just go ahead and get into it. You know, what are your thoughts on the current emergency, emerging repro scene, uh, CD drive emulation? And how do you see it affecting the Saturn and Saturn collectors in the future?
3: Okay, um, I'm going to say that, first of all, I think to be a collector these days is almost an impossible goal, if you're hoping a full um, PAL collection or a full US collection you're going to have to fork out an awful lot of money and nowadays there's repros being made that are of absolute equal uh, beauty and equal quality to the originals so for me if if you are someone that wants to collect uh, an entire collection why kill yourself go for the repros they are made uh, to order they are are really done with quality materials. And for me, they are as beautiful as the originals, perhaps more so because the originals are, have been ravaged by time very often. Um, so I'm 100% in favor of repros. If the if the price scene was realistic, if people were greedy, then perhaps we could go for the originals. But the fact of the matter is, you can own the experience on a, a, a just an ordinary burned disc with a, a marker pen title. But if you want that whole experience of having the packaging as well then definitely go for the repros i'm 100 I'm in favor of it and if it knocks down the prices of the overinflated radiant silver guns and panzer dragoon sagas great I, I think that will be a good thing it's more than likely that those things are going to retain their huge price tags though because the originals will be sought after whatever but uh, yeah i'm 100 in favor of the proceeds
4: To add to that a bit, I'm I'm all for the the repros. Um, One of the things that I have a a big thing about is that I I don't mind them as long as it the it's something that doesn't exist, so like Police Knots or uh, Dragon Force Two. Well, in the U.S. of course, and then uh, and it's obviously labeled as a repro. So if it said, okay, this is a reproduction of this game, it's not original. You need to get this and that to work. In terms of the Saturn, I'm fine with. Um, in terms of the CD drive and emulators, I think that's going to be really the future of the Saturn as people companies or sort of, the companies are sort of uh, getting rid of these some of the, the CD burning things to normal consumers and some of the blank CDs, it might be more and more difficult to do this. And I think these CD emulators will be a lot easier because instead of instead of getting a bunch of discs burning them, putting it on there. You just get a, you just get, you just put them on yourself. Rip the discs, put them on there, uh, put them in the emulating drive, and just get a giant SD card for them. And I think, uh, I think it's not really gonna affect collectors in the long run. The people that want to buy *Panda Dragon* only original, they're not buying it to play it for the most. Well, some of them are not buying it to play it. It's because they really want in their collection to have something on their shelf. I mean, a lot of people a lot of people confuse gamers and collectors, or, well, gamers and general collectors, and say that oh, well, this is gonna affect the price, and that's not true at all. It's not like Final records where the prices will drop or decrease, decrease by new, new pressings or uh, new uh, new quantities found. I think a lot of people are a lot of people are worried about that, but I don't think it's unaffected it at all. And I'd like to see how you guys feel about that as well.
2: You know. I was talking to Dave about this just the other day. Um, like I said earlier, I have a massive, a massive CD-only collection or disc-only collection. Um, now that you have companies like uh, uh, Limited Run Games talking about they're going to drop out as close to original, if not exactly the same as original boxes that the North American games came in, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to buy a crap ton of them and I'm going to throw reproduction artwork in them. Um, I I do not. I don't shame anybody or disagree with anybody who spends tons of money on collecting, but whenever it comes to me, I am more about gaming. Yes, I want it to look nice on the shelf, but I'm more about gaming. And I want those games to be there. If there's, I'm gonna be honest with you. I do not own a, I do not own a copy of Panzer Dragon. I'm not about to spend $400 on a game that I might play once, maybe once a year. That's just the truth. Um, I will gladly buy a reproduction or make a reproduction of that game. Five hundred dollars, um, not four
4: hundred.
2: Yeah, th- th- again, I, I, I am, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I am not by any means endorsing piracy or anything of that matter. I'm just saying, me personally, I'm not going to pay four or five hundred dollars for a game. So, you know, with that being said, going along with the CD emulation. Uh, complete drive replacements Um, my life in gaming did an excellent video just a little while back and they were talking about you know how they did this you know what they were all doing and they, they, they explained it in real layman's terms and I think it's good for the Saturn community because it's it's giving people options who have never had they've never had experience with the Saturn a lot of people don't even want to get involved with the Saturn because the one thing they know about it is the games are absurdly expensive well, if you have a way to play any game you want to outside of emulation on a computer, I mean, come on. I'll be honest with you. My wife is a is a, is a Nintendo fan girl and I bought her a Super Nintendo. I might have maybe 10 games for the Super Nintendo. Other than that, I have an EverDrive. I'm not going to spend that much money on something that is about enjoyment. You know, I'm not going. I have a mortgage. I have a daughter. I have time. I have to, you know, dedicate to those things. And I'm not going to spend the rest of my life gambling or going to work, you know, from dust from dusk to dawn just to play games.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think playing the games and enjoying them while we're still alive is is the most important thing. Um, I don't care if you have a CD wallet full of burned discs or if you have a shelf full of uh, real games. Um, what's real important is that you take them out of that wallet or take them off that shelf and put them in the console and actually play them. Uh, that's what they were designed for. And um, they're not really going to bring you a whole lot of. They're not going to bring you a whole lot of happiness on the shelf, and they certainly won't bring you any happiness after you're dead. And there's a very small chance that your children will take to it like you do or value it like you do, so they may end up in an estate sale. You just don't know what's going to happen, you know. So um, as far as, as far as repros go, I'm in favor of them and as long as they are branded as such, you know, as, as long as it's really obvious that they are repros and that they are crafted pieces of artwork. Um, because basically they're forgeries, and I mean forgeries are no stranger to the art world. You know, so you're gonna have forgeries in every field. But um but you know, I know that I agree with Kay that, that as long as they are branded clearly so that consumers know what they're getting, then that's fine. Um, for me myself, I like to do customs. I'm not really into repros so much as customs of games that never really existed to begin with. That's pretty much all I have time for. Um, I just, I work a nine to five and so I don't have a whole lot of time to recreate repros, but, um, I do like to do customs as a hobby and what a fun hobby it is too. And just being in, in a part of this emergent community that's, uh, interested in this. Um, I can't even believe that it's a thing, you know, because a year ago I'd never would have thought, but anyway, Real exciting the kind of stuff that's coming out and um, I have so much appreciation and admiration for folks like Kay, A Murder of Crows and, and Ben Boyd and all those guys who are just doing so so much awesome uh, artwork and putting it out there.
5: So as I said I'm not a collector but on the other hand I do appreciate uh, physical boxes and cover art and just holding the game in my hands. I think it really adds something to the experience besides just what you're looking at on the screen, having some something related to the game in your hands. And uh, when I was a kid I actually used to kind of do my own repros. Whenever I burned a disc I would go online looking for a high quality scan of the cover art and print it out and put it in a either in a case or in a DVD uh, box or something like that. So I am absolutely all for repros. I think they're great. I don't own any yet, but I think they're great, um, but as I said, I'm not a collector, so if I if I were, a, a, maybe I would have a different opinion about that, because I do know collectors are sometimes afraid of repros uh, influencing the, the price of the games, kind of bringing down the price of the original games. About uh, drive emulation, I, I think we all agree that it's just, it's just awesome. We all know that optical media won't be allow, around forever, the lasers on the... On the console drives won't be around forever, and even the uh, Burnable Media uh, is even going down. I think you, the Shiro guys, talked about in one of your podcasts about how Taiyu then went down, and uh, which was probably the best manufacturer of Burnable uh, CDs in the world. And uh, these things won't uh, won't be around forever. So having a replacement and kind of a more sturdy and durable replacement. It's just an awesome thing all around. I think it's great.
6: All right, so, uh, elephant in the room, I guess. Um, I've been making reproduction discs for probably about two years, maybe a little more. Um, And I have this philosophy about not just um, reproductions, but, Across the board, um, the first uh, the first story I want to kind of touch on is um, the saga of my Street Fighter Alpha 2 Saturn disc. Um, the disc does not look bad. There are no data holes in it. There's no obvious signs of disc rot. And yet it can't get through um, a session of being read uh, for the uh, redump project at all. And that led me to try and buy another one which ended up being perfectly fine and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two discs. Um, This media, it's going to go away. Uh, We won't have any control over it and I think we had a very depressing podcast actually um, about uh, what will happen to our media. So I am definitely a fan of preserving anything and I don't particularly care. in that, uh, I, I guess the easiest way to say it is that we have invested our money um, in these systems, and uh, the uh, the fact is is that these systems are twenty years old, and there wasn't really much thought put in by the original manufacturers of these systems to continue selling uh, these games, so. In the case of Panzer Dragon Saga, the source code's lost. The only way you're going to play it is either on an emulator or copy, or you're going to pay $500 for it, you know. So, I am a a big fan of reproduction, as long as there's no way to mistake um, the reproduction for an actual legitimate version of the game. And I don't care what game it is that you're reproducing, whether it was one that was never available, like a translated Dragon Force 2, or one that is available, as long as you can tell the difference. Um, And I know I'm going over time here just a slight bit, but uh, with optical uh, drive emulation, I'm also a big fan of that. Um, The main focus that I have is that I don't want to lose functionality of a Sega system or any system when you throw in an ODE. So I would be much happier if we had an option to attach the hard drive or the uh, SD card to the back of the system um, and not lose our optical options.
0: Uh, yeah, actually I did buy um, a, a Dragon Force 2 uh, repro copy of Spiffy, um, and, and, and really to echo your guys' comments, uh, you know, I think preserve, any efforts to preserve the Saturn's library um, and improving the accessibility of, of newcomers who want to collect for it, um, it's, I mean, that's really the name of the game, and I, and I, I support any efforts that go towards stabilizing the economics of, of game collecting for the Saturn. Um, and I really especially appreciate the efforts of, of those of you out there, uh, including, well, you guys, Kay and, and Dave and, and Ben Boyd out there, um, who are creating repros that, that look really professional and unique. And especially when you guys put your own spin on the design of the art materials and, um, just really make something that looks, that looks, uh, really tangible and unique because I mean really you're you're just you're really buying the display packaging and 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 that's really what I uh would value um above all else and I really don't mind you know paying for that effort uh and and I think that anyone um yeah anyone who can just make the Saturn library more accessible to to uh folks like myself you know I'm gonna support that
4: uh, one thing I wanted to, to bring up before we close out is that um, I, noticed a big, I noticed a lot of stuff in the collecting scene about people that are that look down on people that, uh, that burn or emulate and do this and do this and that and just are the ones that don't like, collect them real media or don't have like a large collection and I think that that's really a bad attitude to have to some of these collectors or to some of the people that play the Saturn because at the end of the day we're all keeping the Saturn alive in our own way I mean, not everybody can afford five hundred dollar pins or dragoons or uh, close to close to a couple hundred for Burning Rangers, but they want to play it. I mean, if they want to do an emulation and or burning or repros, I'm I'm fine with that as long as they share the love in it. And and I that we should all come together as Saturn fans and sort of not separate in terms of collecting or this and that, which I think everybody on this podcast is really good at doing, and we're we're all inclusive, so if you guys want to share your Saturn setups and stuff, just let us know or how you guys sort of, I don't know, consume the Saturn is a good way to put it.
5: Well, I know I've talked about a lot about emulation, but let me just add something, uh, because sometimes uh, gamers are so derisive of emulation, they think that it's some kind of easy and dirty way to play games instead of actually owning the original hardware and doing it the quote unquote proper way, but let's... In the end, emulation is not just about playing the games; it's about preservation. In the end, like a hundred years from now, every Saturn console and every CD is uh, is going to to uh, to have to have been destroyed. You know, it's not going to be around. So, and emulation really is the way of the future. Like when you're talking about really deep into the future, emulation is the best way to really preserve both the hardware and the games.
2: So with the present out of the way let's go ahead and get a little bit into the future of the sega saturn you know we have numerous things on the horizon like the the retro bit putting out new hardware we also have people in the background still working on ways to have card options for you know actually inputting the games we we have numerous things on the table that could possibly just change the entire sega saturn collecting and sega saturn gaming community so with that being said how about let's get a little blast on that
3: Okay, my hopes for the future are that
2: the community
3: keeps growing because the, the biggest uh, thrill for me in 2017 has been to see how big the community has gotten. Uh, we first launched the Dreamcast Junkyard in 2006 and there was nothing like the response that there has been for the second launch of it. Um, so yeah, that's my hope that the community keeps growing. That. People uh, that didn't experience the Saturn first time round are going to realise what a fantastic system it is. And what would be an absolute dream for me is if some new games could appear for the Saturn. We've already had some vaporware appearing thanks to Kay. Uh, It would be amazing if people could actually code new games for the Saturn in in the same way that they have done for the Dreamcast. And I know that's a completely different kettle of fish. Making new games for the Dreamcast is a lot easier than it is for the Saturn, but my hopes are there that one day we'll see some new commercial releases for the Saturn. That would be my absolute aspiration.
4: One of the things that I think most excites me the most about it is the Doctor uh, Progr- Abrasive's uh, Saturn emulation card. Basically, the essentially what the EMU was, except that it goes into the back of the system where. They can basically, you can basically use both the CD drive and the, and the, uh, the, uh, you can still use the CD drive, but you can also use a SD card reader on the back so you can actually play those games that that are too expensive or maybe your CD drive's dead and you just want to use that exclusively. And, uh, he's also coming out with a wireless, uh, a wireless controller adapter, apparently. I don't know if he's working on that or what's in the works with that. But uh, apparently it's going to be able to allow use for wireless controllers and hopefully maybe they can incorporate something where it's like maybe the, you can use like a PS3 or PS4 controller with it and you can just sit on your HDTV and just play some virtual on or something. So that's really what excites me the most and that the prospects on the hill for those.
2: You know, the the one thing that I've been talking about people is, uh, you know, you have the, the, the retro bit with new hardware coming out and everything but my my biggest thought process is this right here if we have the ability to take a sega saturn we have source code we have all this information and we can actually put a new console on the market whether it be you know a a sega saturn mini or whatever the case is if we can reconsolize the system and somebody can come up with a way of putting a different optical drive into it i know this is getting out there but you know, we talked about how CD drives are becoming a thing of the past. How CD media is becoming a thing of the past. Well, the next thing up right now is Blu-rays. If we and you know, for the for the size of how much information you can be put on the Blu-ray, you could put a massive amount of games, if not an entire library, on a single Blu-ray. So if we could find some way in the community of actually designing a Blu-ray a Blu-ray drive. That could be put into a new Sega Saturn. I'm not talking about just dropping in your old Sega Saturn because eventually those things are going to die too. The components will eventually age. Eventually it will die. Otherwise, you're just going to replace every part of it, which I've replaced a lot of parts in in people's Sega Saturns. But if you could actually take all the equipment, recreate it, put a new optical drive in it for a new optical age, then I mean, we could be seeing a console that lasts another 30 years easily. And I mean, that, that possibility with what we have technically wise, that's what I'm looking forward to. Is just, It's not necessarily games. I'd love it if people could come out with some new games. But the option or the possibility of new hardware just blows my mind in 2017. Well, now 2018.
1: Yeah, same here. Um, you know, the future looks bright for the Saturn. Um, And I know that every one of us here is a part of that. Um, Just helping to get the word out, helping to get the love out there. Um, Increase awareness of the console, because as we know, more and more people are finding out about this console. More and more ex, or you know, previous PlayStation fans are just coming to this thing for the first time and saying, What did I miss, you know? And um, I know with guys like Zayden and Sega RPG Fan working on the Netlink stuff, I'm so excited about that. They're just literally turning over every rock and trying to figure out, you know, any game that had support for it, or how to how to reverse engineer that and redirect everything over to the Dream Pipe, so that you can start using your Dream pie with the Saturn. And um, right now we've got that VoIP adapter uh, solution, at least in the interim. You know, so Sega Saturn is back online. We've also got, uh, as as Patrick mentioned, uh, James Laird Wah or Professor Abrasive. Yeah, He's been working on some amazing things like the VCD SD card adapter that would bypass the CD block entirely and just allow you to load all of your images directly from a removable card so you don't have to do any modifications to your system. And then he was also working on wireless control, like Patrick said, and not just wireless control, not just RF, but wireless over the internet even wireless display he was able he's able to use some kind of teleconferencing system to be able to control a a Saturn over the internet and control it wirelessly so there's some crazy implications of that of course he's fallen on you know family issues and just difficulties and that seems to be the way with a lot of people that start out on these projects so my hope is that you know he's just able to push through that and and really get through and you know like Like Sam spoke to the fact that RetroBit has come up with capital and interest in investing. Um, I wonder if he could hook up with them, you know, and share his tech with them. Um, And they've got the
4: capital and the production
1: capability to make it happen, you know?
4: Well, uh, Dave, I just want to add to that that uh, Professor Brasiv is actually back. Uh, He's got that all sorted and everything's sorted for him. So he's starting back on that project. So hopefully we can see that by hopefully the end of the year 2018. Cool,
5: yeah. Guess what? I'm going to talk about emulation again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, as, I, as I said, Madnafen right now is, in my opinion, the best Saturn emulator overall, bar none. But it still could improve. And I I'm, will, in fact, improve, specifically in three different ways. First of all, it doesn't deal well with interlaced image. So, games, for example, like Virtua Fighter 2 or Fighter's Mega Mix look just terrible on it because it it can't uh, kind of uh, uh, mesh the two interlaces uh, and it it displays them kind of side by side and it's just uh, terrible. Uh, Another way that it could improve, it's very demanding on system. Uh, In terms of uh, your PC, I have an i5-4460 at 3.2 gigahertz, and for some games it barely gets the job done. So the lower the requirements get, the more people could play with it could use it like, even on stuff like laptops or something like that so it would be a great way for the emulator to improve. And the last thing, I really think it should have, uh, in, in the future, maybe not in the near future, but uh, down the, uh, it could uh, it would introduce a hardware renderer so that we could get higher internal resolution for 3D games, uh, even though we could debate whether uh, the 3D games in the Saturn would benefit from that or not. I think a lot of them really would benefit from higher internal resolution, So the graphics would be like playing a modern PC game at a really high resolution, like no jaggies, no aliasing. And I would love to see that. And on something that's not related to this, I hope they finish the Princess Crown translation because I really want to play that game and my Japanese sucks. Oh, yeah.
6: So, um, on my end, uh, modifications, um, reproductions, translations, and new software um, are kind of where I'm hoping things go. Um, I know that there was a project back in, uh, I think, uh, 2010 where um, some RF uh, wireless controllers were made that were actually interchangeable so you could use Uh, like a Super Nintendo controller on the Saturn or a Saturn controller on a Genesis. Um, And I'd really love to see that, you know, project picked up again and, you know, condensed. Um, I love uh, the fact that development continues on Rhea um, and Phoebe. And, uh, you know, just uh, about a week ago, um, they released a new firmware that allows, uh, you know, games that have... uh, Redbook audio um, involved uh, directly uh, to be patched and able to be used. So that's always nice, um, continuing working with Cafe Alpha on uh, Pseudo Saturn and Full and the uh, Saturn Gamers Cart. There's a hardware uh, out there in China that I know of that's a kind of a clone of the Gamers Cart of sorts that actually has RAM cart built in, which is kind of nice. Uh, translations are a big thing for I think everyone, and um, you know, trying to get more of that Japanese library to be accessible for non-English speakers would be really fantastic. Uh, the uh, the FRAM uh, mod, um, so that we don't have to worry about losing our save data when our battery dies any longer. Um, and working with uh, David Kias about doing some stuff for the uh, game navi high saturn as well it's uh, pretty awesome um i think uh the the future is actually kind of bright for a lot of these retro consoles and the fact that we have so much passion i mean we've got what is it, seven eight guys across the world different you know areas of the world together to talk about the saturn for two and a half hours it's kind of mind-blowing you know that we have this many people who are involved at At just our level, you know, fans, not even at the hardware level, um, you know, to to talk about this system. And then I guess the final thing is getting the Saturn back online. You know, it'd be really neat to hack in uh, Netlink capabilities or online capabilities um, to newer games if that was ever going to be possible. Um, Or more, I, I think, probable is getting the Japanese games back online.
0: So, um, yeah, I mean, you guys, I think, uh, outlined a lot of those potential solutions, and and there's just, it seems like there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic um, on, you know, just uh, various uh, technical levels um, regarding developments on the hardware side and, and the software uh, and emulation side as well. Um, and, you know, I really, I think the community uh, really is the key to, to sustaining all of this, to echo what Pretty much everybody else is set. Um, I, you know, I'd love to see the Saturn scene continue to become more accessible, uh, uh, both for those who've been collecting for a while and people, and to just draw new people um, to to garner new interest uh, among newcomers. And you know, that does require a variety of community-driven solutions, which which you guys outlined, and we're definitely seeing um, to help even out the the economics of, of getting involved with the Saturn. Um, and I'm very optimistic about you know those community efforts that we're seeing to preserve the software, um, like you know circulating better the you know better quality image files and repros and uh, prioritizing digital archival efforts, uh, as well as the hardware side solutions like um, Doctor Professor Corrosive, uh, sorry, abrasive. no abrasive, abrasive, sorry, uh, and uh, and you know potentially whatever retro Uh, comes out with uh, with their new deal with Sega Um, you know in the end goal of all this I feel is to just even out those supply side barriers to make the Saturn library just more accessible for for uh, newcomers and accommodate that additional demand and um, you know I'm also optimistic about uh, the increasing participation of of mediums that are just really just fan Uh, enthusiasm driven like you know Shiro podcast and Saturn collectors of America and Saturn memories and all of these all the youtubers out there that share that enthusiasm it's you know very palpable Um, yeah I guess maybe maybe the Saturn junkyard too Um, so you know I just feel like these these platforms we have to to (laughs) share (laughs) Uh, well you know uh, gotta stay humble so yeah, just, you know, sharing our, you know, having these platforms to share our, our Saturn nostalgia and, 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 and share our new experiences as we continue to discover new things about the system and, and its games. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I think it really is lowering, it's about lowering those barriers for those who just want to play the Saturn in, in whatever capacity they're able to, uh, whether that's hardcore or, or casual game collecting uh, or repros or, or you know, rhea phoebe you know or other general emulation um you know however you got to do it uh, i feel like you, you just you gotta be gotta be playing saturn always always be playing saturn you must you must play yeah saturn. you know
1: i really just i'm really so excited about the fact that this is a com- this seems like a community effort and i really do hope that companies like retrobit and limited run games won't be um you know will maybe be humble enough to reach out into the community and get help on some of these things because there's so many talented individuals like the guy who discovered uh, a way of making a light gun work on, on LCDs using the Wii motion tech. And that's like simple tech. I mean, it's like a couple of light sensors, you know? Um, so there's that. And then there's also limited run games, uh, you know, commitment to putting out uh, the long boxes, you know? So there's just a lot of stuff out there and I'm hoping that they do reach out into the community Um, and talk to people who have put a lot of of their personal time into coming up with a lot of these solutions but don't really have the means of bringing them to market, you know, and companies like RetroBit, maybe they do, you know, so uh, that's what I'm excited about. I'm just so excited that that the Saturn is a tight-knit community. We all care, you know.
6: I had one more thing that I'd wanted to mention. Um, There are still covered games out there. Um, not just revisions of games that, you know, pop up every once in a while, but completely uh, new games that um, were at various levels of being completed that have not actually gone out to market. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I have uh, access to a large stack of these. And one of those games was a port of uh, Heart of Darkness, which I believe came out on the PlayStation. It will not run on a retail Saturn, Um, And so one of the biggest things I have for the future that I'd love to be able to see and, you know, hopefully make happen, um, is a means of being able to get that game to play, you know, on retail Saturns. So, yeah. um, Future is, you know, bright, actually, for this system, I think, anyway.
1: Lots of possibilities.
2: Very much so, very much so. So, with all that being said, folks, you know, at least on behalf of the TitanCast crew, I want to make it real clear that we are we are very thankful that we're able to be here today with the boys from Sega Saturn Shiro that we were able to put this together for the community, not only for ourselves because I mean it's not just for us. I mean, obviously, other people listen to us. Well, at least hopefully. Um, So, we want to we want to go ahead and thank those guys out there. And And another thing is is that. If you are listening to the Titancast cast version of this, this will be dual dropped on both Sega Saturn Shiro and the Saturn Junkyards Titan cast. If you're listening to it on the Titancast cast side, go over there and check out the Shiro guys, man. They've got some awesome material out there. They really get into some deep I mean some deep stuff. Whereas, you know, us, we're more ringy-dingy or however you want to put it. And if you're listening to it on the Shiro guys and you enjoyed the the crap shoot that was the Titan cast guys, come on over and join us, man. I mean, it's a nice little friendly community. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and do some drops real fast. If you aren't familiar, you can find the Sega Saturn Shiro guys over on YouTube. All you got to do is search in Sega Saturn Shiro. You can also find them on Podient. You can find them on iTunes, Google Play. I believe they have a Buzzsprout. I might be wrong about that. Um... You can find Titancast. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Buzzsprout. You can actually go to the Titan, uh, the Stattern Junkyard and find us on our blog at Blogspot. Um, there's many, numerous avenues to find both of our groups. And if you aren't involved in this community already, just reach out and get involved with it. It is a lot a lot more fun to be had whenever you're actually enjoying games with other people. Whereas just being stuck by yourself playing games. Cause I can tell you right now, just dealing with these guys for the past three months, I have found out so much new information and I could have never found that out. If I had not been able to touch base with these guys. Yes. And I'd
4: also, as part of the, the the Saturn Shiro, I'd love to thank these guys for being on, being able to join us as well. They have really great insight and, all those different perspectives worldly i mean you have one for portugal one from one one from uh the uk and one from america and the uh, two of from america and it's really it's really uh great to hear their their perspective and their their opinions on the saturn and especially some of their stuff that they're doing on the podcast which i'm i'm really excited for especially their last podcast with the the budget games i thought that was a really fun topic and I think they have a lot of good stuff coming up and I would recommend that you guys definitely go listen to them and subscribe to both of us because we both have different insights and opinions on things so it's always good to to get those double opinions and and don't think of us as sort of rivals or anything, it's a collaboration thing, we're brothers working together to get the Saturn stuff out so I love these guys and hopefully they love us too. And this won't be the last time that we do this either,
1: Um, you know, like I said this is a tight-knit community, we all know each other. And if we don't, we're going to, um, you know, because you spend enough time with this console in this community, you're going to find these people, you know, and and as as Sam said, please, please feel free to reach out to us, reach out to us on Messenger, reach out to us in the comments. Don't feel like uh, we're elitist or like we're too, we don't have time to answer your questions. We want to answer your questions. That's why we're doing this. We're here for you guys. We're here for each other, and we're here for you guys to strengthen this community and, and raise awareness of Saturn, and uh, and and just to have fun. And that's uh, that's facebook.com slash Saturn for the Shiro
4: podcast. So on behalf of uh, all of us at uh, both the Se- Sega Saturn Shiro podcast and the Sega Titan cast, uh, we wish you do And Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year, guys.
2: So the Sega gentlemen signing off.